biking is something that if you do it on a regular basis can be something that you can very much progress with. It's all about focusing on the fact that if you don't stop, you will progress. It'll get easier. The climbs will be less challenging. Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, Joy Riders. This is episode number nine of The Joyride, a celebration of women who ride bikes. Each week, I publish a new conversation with a different woman who rides a bike in some form or fashion. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about this free online workshop that I'm giving. Next week, April 27th, it's about bike overnights for beginners. Just go to bit.ly forward slash bike overnights. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash bike overnights to subscribe for more info. That's bit.ly forward slash bike overnights to subscribe for more info. You can also just go to the show notes for this episode, which you can find at girleatsbike.com forward slash joyride 009. Click the button there to sign up for more info. In other news, aw, the Joyride got its first iTunes review. Five stars! Gretch28 says, this is a great show. Aw, thanks, Gretch28. This show thinks you're great, too. For realsies, that, that means a whole bunch. Thank you. On this episode of The Joyride, I chat with Iowa native Josie Smith of Josie's Bike Life, a blog that she's been keeping, which highlights her life on two wheels, her development as a mountain biker, and profiling other women who ride. We'll talk about the beautiful solitude in trail riding, learning to ride with asthma, and of course, the ever-evolving bike life. Check out the show notes at girleatsbike.com forward slash joyride009 for links to anything that we discuss in this episode. All right, let's get into it. Josie Smith, welcome to the Joyride. I'm so excited to have you here and for you to taken the time to hang out today. So how's it going? Going all right. I got actually a bike ride in today, so I would say that it's a pretty good day off. Yeah, that so. sounds that sounds awesome. So where in the world are you? I live in Decorah, Iowa, so it would be northeast Iowa. They call it the driftless area, so it's a hilly part of Iowa. It's not flat. So we have a lot of bluffs and that sort of thing, which makes it really unique. And next to Wisconsin and Minnesota. Is that where you grew up? Is that where you learned to ride a bike? Sure. I grew up about 25 minutes away from Decorah between uh, two towns called Wacon and Postville and lived out in the country. But essentially, learning to ride a bike now in this day and age I learned in Decorah. Tell me, because you're drawing a distinction between those things. So it's like you you did like as a kid and then you had a, a separation, like a period of time where you didn't ride? Yeah, I had, you could say, an extended hiatus from riding my bike. I think probably the last time that I rode a bike as a kid when was, I was about 10 and I didn't get on a bike again until 2012. So it was pretty much very, very long time between me and riding a bike. So do you remember your first bike when you were a kid? First one was a garage sale bike. And I think it was light purple. We had streamers on it and training wheels on it. And it was pretty terrifying the first time that my mom took the training wheels off because I lived on a gravel hill in the middle of nowhere. So I just rode up and down this potholy driveway. And really didn't do very much for my confidence, so to say. And there was another bike. I think that was a garage sale bike, too. And my mom kind of spray painted it so that it looked nice for me. And then the second to last bike was a bike that my stepdad had won from a gas station contest drawing. So it was some sort of probably Walmart bike generic, too big for me. 
So my mom decided that she would take that one, and we went to Walmart and got me another bike. And I remember it was black and blue because I definitely didn't want girly colors back then. And that's really what I remember of it. I don't remember if it was a, you know, a huffy or anything like that. I just remember it was black and blue. And I thought it was so rad that I had a boy's bike. Yeah, it was like this really big sort of like dividing line, right? Like you could get one that was pink or lavender or yep. any of the other really cool colors that were obviously faster. Oh, yeah, totally. So, and then there was like this gap of time where you weren't on a bike. And then yep. tell me like what happened in 2012. I pretty much was walking to work. I worked at a local food co-op here in Decorah and I was driving to work and I lived three blocks away. But what I was finding is if I tried to walk to work, I would usually get to work and have what I didn't know at the time, but like an asthmatic fit because of allergies and that sort of thing. So I would end up coughing for probably 15, 20 minutes after I'd get to work. And I just, I got to a point, I woke up on a Monday and I just felt like something needed to change in my life. And I wasn't sure exactly what, but I figured I kept telling myself I couldn't ride a bike. And my coworker at the co-op had always told me since I moved to Decorah, you should buy a bike. You should buy a bike. Like, I'll die if I ride in the street. I can't ride a bike. And I decided, you know, I'm going to get a bike. And I made it my goal that at the end of that week, I would have a bike. And I did. Why did you tell yourself that you couldn't ride a bike? Or why were you, like, having that conflict? So, yeah. Because I wasn't really athletic as a child at all. And I was very, we'll say, klutzy. So the concept of living in a town where you could bike, Decor is a fairly bike-friendly town. I just felt that a person like me who could barely walk two feet without tripping over herself, being on a bicycle would be probably the worst thing that one could do. And just the concept that I wasn't used to being on a bicycle since I hadn't been on one since I was a kid and just being able to navigate myself through traffic and figuring out how to get to point A to point B and be safe and just overall have that sort of confidence. I would say a lot of it was just simply from the standpoint that because it wasn't part of my life, I just felt that it was something impossible for me to do for a long time. And, you know, it's really crazy to kind of, um, to kind of hear that now and yeah. <laughs> right. And, um, and to look at this kind of like juxtaposed with mountain biking and like all of the, all of the technical stuff. Yeah. Um, so bring me through, because obviously you've had a lot that's changed since then. You don't work at the co-op. Very much. Nope. So I work at, I work at the shop that I bought my bike from. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can you like tell me a little bit more about how that happened? Sure. So, well, gosh, that's kind of really a long story. So my journey to get a bike took me to two bike shops. There are two bike shops in Decorah. And the first one didn't have a used bike. And I thought that that would be a really good way to go first. And then my former co-worker and myself went to Decor Bicycles, where I met Travis, who, you know, in no other terms is my life partner. And he happened to have a used bike, and it looked pretty okay. I wanted probably the, I bought the most homely bike possible, just from the standpoint that I thought, oh my gosh, I don't want somebody stealing it. So I want something very, very plain, very nondescript. And it is, I think, it is the ugliest bike I own currently. <laughs> and we ended up going on a few bike rides together. And I changed more things in my life. 
then we ended up being together. And it was something that he hadn't had a female that had worked at the shop on a very regular basis for very much while he's owned it. So that was one of the things that we thought would be good for Decora was to have a woman in a bike shop on a full-time, very regular basis. And then I was developing a lot of repetitive motion issues with my arm working at the food co-op with cashiering so much. So we wanted to put me in a position where I could be at a job that gave me flexibility of being able to change tasks as I needed. So if I was getting to a point of where building bikes was starting to get tiring, I could go and do something else like clean some bikes or, you know, check inventory and that sort of thing. Tell me about like the confidence shift with, I mean, it sounds like Travis is, has been like a huge part of that, but tell me a little bit about like what happened internally with you, because I think that the mechanical thing is like a big stumbling block for women in a lot of ways. Yep. So in terms of confidence working at the bike shop in general or. Yeah. Like whatever, I mean, whatever that brings up, like not just working at the bike shop, but like, you know, building bikes, for example. (laughs) It's that's still honestly a stumbling block. I am the least, I would say least mechanically inclined person in the whole wide world. But what's helped me a lot is some of the same things that helped me getting used to my job at the co-op is a lot of repetitive things. So the more things that I do that are very similar, the more that that helps. So basic assembly of a bike is primarily the most that I do, but I've gotten better at that and getting used to how tight to get certain things and that sort, bolts and what have you. A lot of repetition is pretty much what's given me the confidence that I need to, like, yeah, I can put most of this bike together. Fine-tuning stuff, that's something that we're be- we're working on in a case-by-case, like, throughout the slow season. So on my to-do list, you know, learning how to true a wheel and adjust bearings and that sort of thing. Summertime is a really hard time to do that because, Travis is the main mechanic at the shop and I'm, I would say that I would be the main salesperson, and then whoever else that we have hired kind of divvies between bike assembly, you know, prepping service work and sales too. But pretty much he tells me, and I've heard from other women that have worked at bike shops, time, 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 time is what is going to make things better in terms of being more confident in understanding what I'm doing or what needs to be done when it comes to more mechanical things. Have you noticed um, a difference or a change in the clientele with like more female clientele coming into the shop in general, like gravitating towards you in particular? What have you observed there? Yeah, it's still, we have a, pretty regular crew of people that come in but there was just the other day a woman that had come in and her husband had actually purchased a bike just recently from the other shop why she came into the store I'm not entirely sure unless she figured out somehow through the grapevine that there's a woman to talk to but there has been a couple people that I know that purchased bikes last season that have come in and done business with us regularly throughout And there's one lady in particular, she just, she was in the other day picking up her bike that got a one-year check. And she bought a bike last year. She hadn't been on a bike for years and years. And she left just so happy that she had her bike back because she was missing it. And said that it was the best thing that she had ever done for herself. And she was so happy that she had bought a bike last year stuff like that and then having her feel comfortable she'll usually always talk to me first and then if it's something that I can't answer we'll go to Travis but she very much I can tell appreciates having a female person there that she can ask questions about and that sort of thing and just in general it's a lot easier for me to go up and talk to a new rider about 
getting padded shorts for riding being another woman versus having a guy go up and be like, yeah, you know, you need this pad thing to sit on when you're riding a bike, chamois cream, that sort of thing. I think it's been a lot easier to talk to people for me being there to talk to other riders. So kind of gives the other people that work there, which are all guys, you know, kind of, okay, I don't have to worry about how am I supposed to talk about saddles and numb bits and stuff like that. Because everybody gets a chance to sort of like be, have a little bit of relief there. No, no pun intended with the the saddle conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, So you commute there by bike every day or and how much is that? Like how long is that commute? Not long at all. We <laughs> living in town, we literally, if I would say at most, it may be about five minutes or so. It just depends on the traffic when you're waiting at the stop sign. Very, I've been very fortunate to live ridiculously close to my jobs here in Decorah. When I was at the food co-op before we moved into our house, I was probably two minutes away from the co-op when I biked. So it makes winter commuting a whole lot nicer because you don't have to worry about planning for 20 minutes of freezing your butt off right. to get to work. Yeah. Um, so how much, so you do mostly like trail riding other than that? Pretty much a lot of my riding anymore is mountain bike trails. Um, I started off riding the paved trail. Decora has, they call it the Trout Run Trail. It's about 11 and a half miles of paved trail that goes around the city of Decorah. So you are in the city for a little bit and then you keep riding and you get out into the countryside. So you see farms and cows and, you know, all of that good rural Iowa stuff. And I rode that pretty much my first two years of riding was primarily that trail. And 2014 is when I decided that much to Travis's happiness that I wanted to become a better mountain biker. And once I found out that I wasn't going to careen off a cliff and completely impale myself on branches or what have you, I found that mountain biking was actually a lot more pleasant than riding the paved trail. And a lot of that because the paved trail is such a great asset to Decora. It's fantastic. It's multi-use too. So you have runners, you have walkers, you have people walking their dogs, you have people walking together, and you have other riders. And you can go both ways. It does. There's no right or wrong way to be on that trail. And there's certain spots that get extremely congested. So we're finding since it's gained popularity with locals and out-of-towners, it's almost kind of stressful to spend time on it for extended periods. So mountain biking so far, our trails haven't been really utilized by the general public as much as the Trout Run Trail. So you could go out and potentially not see a single person at all. Today I went out and there were two hikers and a fellow walking his dog, and I ran into them twice. Other than that, I saw nobody else out there. So it's it's nice to be able to just go out and find your zen and just be in nature as opposed to still being in town for most of the time and being around other people and having to focus on making sure you say hi and announce that you're passing and all of the nice trail etiquette that is good to do. You don't have to worry about that so much out in the woods. So what do you consider like an every ride carry? What do you bring with you when you go out on the trail? I mean, maybe if you're on a five minute commute to the bike shop, it might not be yeah. quite as necessary, but. Uh, um, for me, what I would have on a regular basis. When I, when I go to the bike shop, I pretty much have, I have a bike bag that I have possibly rain pants in. And I have some cash with me on a regular basis because 
one, you never know if you're going to need it for a stop at the co-op on the way home or for whatever other practical purpose that you would potentially need money for. Other than that, I don't have a whole lot that I carry with me to work since that's so short. But if I'm on a longer ride, one thing that I'll always have with me is my inhaler, just in case I ever need it. And a spare tube for my bike, in case I were to get a flat. I have a tubeless setup on all of my mountain bikes, but if you have something come up, it's easiest to just throw a tube in there and be done with it. And snacks. Some sort of snack or nutritional, like cliff blocks or a goo, just because there are times where I know my ride isn't going to be very long, but at the same time, you never know when you're actually going to be hungry. And it's better to just have something in your bag at all times, because if you don't need it and you're potentially with somebody, they might need it. And water. Even though I don't drink enough water, to be perfectly honest, but I, I have some there at all times. It, it is kind of hard to remember, like, the drink before your thirsty rules, you know? Yeah. I have a couple questions I want to ask you off of that. It's so, kind of a fun <laughs> thing that, that I've been asking people lately is, like, what's your favorite bike snack? That could be, like, <laughs> I know you just mentioned Cliff and, and Goo, but is that, like, what you'd prefer or post-ride or what, what do you got? I would say my most absolute favorite is snack of all times is the cookies from scratch. They have a powdered cookie mix that you put, leave it's one egg, a stick of butter, and a cup of whatever you want. So chocolate chips, nuts. When we were at Saddle Drive, they had white chocolate chip and bacon in their cookies. But their cookie mix is just absolutely positively delicious and amazing. And they're pretty calorie dense, I guess. I don't really pay attention to that sort of thing. I just heard that from someone. But for a long ride or pre-race, I would much rather have the scratch cookies than have goo or blocks or what have you, simply because they have very minimal ingredients. And if I put chocolate chips in there, I know I'm eating something that consists of chocolate chips, butter, and egg, and oats. So it's a lot easier for my stomach to digest. And I prefer like a food, not necessarily a snack bar and that sort of thing. So legit food is always good. After a ride, if it's a long ride, I got to say I like IPAs. So that's usually my favorite post-ride snack is a beer. There's, a, you know, it's supposedly like really good for your post ride. It's got all of the, all the good stuff that you want, and you get a, you get to party a little. No, I don't know. You get to party a little bit. I'm I'm pretty boring when it comes to partying. It's good though. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm joking a little bit with that, but you you'd love it up here then. Um, in Oregon, they love their IPAs. There's like no shortage of like every kind of IPA you can think of. That sounds extreme. You know, the other thing I kind of wanted to ask you is that like going off of um, you said before your your walk, you would have these like asthmatic attacks from allergies and whatnot and then you mentioned that your inhaler is something that you have is that you carry with you all the time like yep you know I'm thankful that I haven't had that kind of that kind of an experience but what's that been like to sort of you know branch out and kind of like bridge that gap athletically it's had its moments I would have to say that looking back at myself in 2012 to now physically I feel like I'm in a completely different book than I was when I first started hmm. and it was definitely challenging right away when I would first start riding and hill climbs on the paved trail and mountain biking in general I would have to take breaks. It was hard for me to ride the entire paved loop without taking a couple breaks or so. And with mountain biking, oh my gosh, 
that it seemed completely impossible. You know, Travis is fit and athletic and healthy and has immense stamina, even though he doesn't ride an awful lot. And I felt that there was no way that I would ever be able to do what we call my little loop of mountain bike trails without stopping ever. And when it got to the point where I could actually do the climbs and not have to take a break and stop for the first time, that seemed like a huge accomplishment to me. There are still some stuff that really kind of pushes my limits, but for the most part, my lungs have gotten healthier, so I'm not having to use my inhaler all the time, but usually I'll want to use it before I do a race, especially during the dry season, because I'll really push myself, and once I kind of get myself past the point, there's really not any turning back, and I'll have the coughing fits and that sort of thing. But for my everyday rides, when I'm not pushing myself to my absolute max, found that I can actually go out there and not have to use the inhaler to accomplish what I want to do. And it's it's surprised me a lot that I've been able to do some longer rides. And when I did the Frozen 20, and I forgot to use my inhaler for that race, but things worked out okay. I needed it afterwards, but during, I was able, I would say, to survive without having to stop and use it during the race time. So I looked at that as things have gotten better. I'm not really sure how or why, but I won't, I won't say no to it, I guess you could say. I guess, um, I don't know. I guess it seems like conditioning is just like improving lung health and you do this incrementally and with care, um, along the way. I, I, it's just something that like, I mean, I know as someone who's always been heavy and conditioning has been part of that process, I just didn't really know how it would work with like pulmonary, like straight up pulmonary issues. I have like so many things that are where I want to go. Um, but, like, what's your average length or duration of those trail rides that you go on? Tuesdays, I have flexibility of being out for, if I want to, two hours or more. And I always get kind of messed up on how many miles of trail we actually have because all of ours, you can go both ways. It's really probably maybe... 12-ish miles or so, but if you double that because you can ride it all backwards, then it's around 20-some miles. Um, During the week, before I go to work, I usually try to get a ride in, and it's maybe an hour and a half or an hour 45 at most, and just depending on what set I'm doing, it's usually under five miles or so. It's just kind of... I. My focus is more on the time that it takes me to ride certain certain sets. So I just try to keep it within the time limit that I allow myself so I can get home and eat breakfast and shower and all of that other morning stuff that I need to do. Um, how, how would you recommend for someone who wants to start, for someone who's mountain bike trail riding curious like Mm -hmm. where is a good starting point that's a challenge in Decorah unfortunately but there's really there's a couple trails that I would say are somewhat beginner friendly the Pines and Van Penen Park are absolutely a great place to take people that are mountain bike curious and that do not have anything that one could consider gnarly. So you're not seeing any drop-offs. You're not seeing ledges. You don't have rock gardens. It's just literally a path through a grove of pine trees. There's a couple other trails, too. But I would say the pines were the kind of gateway for me. And we can either take people up there by truck or if one wanted to ride the gravel up, if they have 
enough stamina and that they've ridden before and they don't mind riding up uh, inconvenient gravel hill for a little ways. That would be a way to go too. That's how I got up there today. But it's that that set of trails. River Trail is an all right place to go, but there's a couple features on it that usually turn people off a little bit. There's a couple climbs and some spots are kind of close to the river, so you could fall in the river if you weren't careful, but that hasn't happened to me, thankfully. Knock on wood. And yeah, I fell off. I fell off the side of River Trail, not into the river, but onto like a secondary walking trail. That I almost would have taken the river over that. So, but Decora, that's the challenge. Is Decora is not very beginner trail friendly for people that are curious. And we really want to try to find ways to introduce people to off-road riding in very careful steps and very gradually. And that's one of the things that my plan is once the weather is for sure good and the trails are definitely dry, is have a 2 o'clock Sunday ride for women through the shop that is focused on the absolute beginner basics of exploring the easiest flat dirt surfaces and potentially graduating to having them join our co-ed rides at five, which are still all levels welcome, but we go on all of the other trails versus just the two or three that one could consider beginner. Um, So do you think it's like when people are looking at this, wherever it is that they might live that, they kind mm-hmm. of start at their shop, who, whoever is like a good local MTB shop or like, what, what do you think, like, what would be a good starting point for somebody who's not in the neighborhood? I would say checking with your local shop would, or checking with a local shop. If there's multiple, I would say feel free to stop into both because sometimes there's going to be different shops in different areas that are probably more specific to one riding style than the other. But bike shops should be, in my opinion, a good source of information. So using them as a resource, they should have an idea of what trails are more beginner friendly, especially if you live in an area that, like we live in an area where we're not per se affiliated with AMBA to they sometimes have trail ratings. If you go to a place, they'll have like a red trail or double black diamond or what, whatnot. We don't assign our trails difficulty level. So if you are in an area that has a similar thing where the trails, if you have an access to a trail map, if there's no difficulty level, speaking with some locals on what trails they would recommend to somebody that is either very beginner or intermediate beginner would be a good idea. And then sometimes, you know, friends of friends too would have information as well. Speaking of resources and friends of friends, like tell me about the bike life. How did you start it? What, where did, why, why'd you start? That's a very good question. It's gone through a couple transformations too. So when I've, when I very, very first started the blog, it was more I just wanted to have sort of an outlet to write on what excited me and frustrated me about being a new writer before I really got involved with much of anything. Then I would say it went through a transformation after I decided that I wanted to become a better mountain biker. Travis had the thought, and I think it was Travis, but he he thought, well, why don't you talk to some of the local women that ride off-road or bike? And really in Decora, there's a very, very small number of women that ride off-road. So I was really excited to talk to about three or four of them. And then from there, I decided, well, what's really stopping me from contacting other women elsewhere who I see as inspiring and figured, well, if I think they're inspiring, 
other people would too. Therefore, it's kind of like, yeah, this is super cool, and then I can share it too. With that, I decided that I would contact riders of all disciplines, commuters, road bikers, mountain bikers, or just the I like riding my bike for fun, and I don't really do anything other than go for, you know, maybe a 20-minute ride every other day or every weekend. Who knows? I just wanted to share the love of biking with other people and figured, especially when it came to different disciplines or different thoughts like touring or road riding or triathletes, you know, they might have something to share for the people that are interested in those things too. And then I decided about last year that it would go through another change. I, for whatever reason I decided I wanted to buy a domain name and when I had it as life on two wheels which is what it was first called a domain name with that was probably around a thousand dollars or so which I decided that's not gonna not gonna happen so then Josie's bike life because I figured at some point in time, too, that I would also be going back to sharing some of my own experiences on that blog as well. And it's, it is about bike life. It's about any type of bike life. It's all encompassing. And for me, it's just sharing something that brings people together. And biking is one of those things. It can bring people from all over can find a way to connect simply because they ride a bike. They could be of two different disciplines, but they both like a bike. Yeah, that's awesome. I think I started following you when it was life on two wheels. So it's it's really cool to just like see the evolution of stuff. So a lot of really great stories and, and uh, a lot of really fun profiles that are, are on there. Do you, I wanted to ask you also, did you, um, have you done like a bike overnight or have you ever, ever done bike packing or anything like that? I have not at this point. Um, for me, I guess a lot of it is timing. When I worked at the co-op, I was very much a workaholic, you could say. And I worked between five, six days a week and I never usually had two days off in a row. And I did for a short period of time, but then once I became more involved with Travis, I decided that I wanted to have Tuesdays off so we could ride together. Thus, I would have like a Tuesday off and a Saturday off. So it was, it's been difficult to coordinate something like that. And then now working at the bike shop, really it's more times than not just the two of us working together. And then we'll have a couple helpers during the busy season. So not really a lot of time to devote to that. I had I had an opportunity to go to, there is a salsa bike camp of sorts. I'm trying to remember exactly when the time frame was. And that would have been somewhat like an overnight sort of biking thing where I would have to drive to it, but then you're camping out and you're riding and you're meeting other people and listening to seminars and that sort of thing. But unfortunately the invite was so last minute that I couldn't coordinate, you know, a tent or a sleeping bag for somebody to work for me while I was gone. So that would be, it would be cool to incorporate like biking and camping. I'm not really sure that I'm at the point where, for me, the idea of doing more of like an extended tour is on my plate at this point. That's cool. Where <laughs> where would you, um, I love, I'm just like the biggest nerd when it comes to that, so I'm into it. Um, where would you want to go on tour? If I were to go on tour, that, I think it's because I have not traveled a whole lot in my life. I really have not the I think it'd be really cool to do something not even in the United States, like if I were to go to Ireland or somewhere. I think something like that would be like the ultimate super cool, this would be on my bucket list sort of thing. 
awesome. Write it down. Put it on a post-it note on your mirror because you're gonna you're gonna go. I want to talk to you after you go too. <laughs> that sounds like that'd be so much fun. Um, so I have two more kind of like fun-ish, hopefully fun questions for you. If your bike had like a superpower, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Huh. Well, man, like the most classic thing would be like, well, if it could legitimately fly, but I would like to think of something a little cooler than that. That's kind of cool. Um, that is a tough one. I would, I feel like in terms of a superpower that it would almost be two things. It would be kind of neat if the bike would actually talk to me while I'm riding, just from the standpoint that sometimes it would be really nice to have a conversation when I'm out there and if I'm mulling over something, you know, because my bike, all of my bikes hear a lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, but it would be really neat if it had the ability to just go through things. So instead of if you were riding and you somehow had some sort of mishap and were going to like run into a tree, that you would just turn kind of invisible and just go right through it like nothing's wrong. That'd be awesome. Um, that uh, the story, the if my bike could talk to me, is like reminds me of a short story that I read in this uh, compilation of short stories um, called Bikes in Space. It's actually kind of mm. fun to find that. Um, I will link it up in the show notes. So look below. <laughs> um, so one, one more kind of other fun question I've been enjoying asking people lately, which is if you could um, go for a ride with anyone, uh, living or dead, anyone, anywhere, who would it be? Why, where, what do you got? Well, and I've, I've thought about this a lot. This is, Similar to the question, I think it was a friend had asked who I would want to interview. And I really think, because I've been thinking about her a lot, lady, it would be my grandma, Gert. I don't know if she ever rode a bike before in her entire life, but she was, was my mom's mom. And out of the grandparents that I've had, she would be the one that I was the closest to. She was kind of like a secondary mother. And she's been gone since I've been about 15, 16. And it was a really, it was really, really hard from the standpoint that I was starting to kind of grow up and I had a job every other weekend. So it went from she was the grandma that I stayed with on every weekend to I would see her every other weekend. And when, you, when you're a teenager, you're going through that whole angsty thing and I wasn't really too bad, but there was definitely, I was distancing myself from her at the time and kind of trying to do my own thing and not feel guilty about it. And <sighs> there's just been so much in my life that's changed since she passed away that I would really love to have her come back and just kind of rehash have her tell some of the stories that she told me as a kid and have her actually see the person that I've become on a physical sense instead of, you know, seeing it spiritually if one wants to think that way. But be here and see how I've grown and see what I've accomplished and see what I'm doing and trying to do and just be able to ask her more questions now that I'm a grown-up and I've been through some things maybe similar to what she was through, ask her more adult questions instead of the questions that I asked her when I was a kid about her life growing up and what my grandpa was like and that sort of thing. That would be, at this point, what I would want. That's really sweet. I would love to know like one piece of advice that for new riders, for 
women who want to ride a bike, um, but for some reason feel like it's not for them or it feels too challenging, like maybe even one piece of advice you wish you got sometime in between 10 years old and 2012. Um, what do you got? I think the biggest thing that would have helped me was, or has helped me is just biking is a very, it's a very personal thing and it can be challenging for sure. And the thing that helped me out, I think the most is biking is something that if you do it on a regular basis can be something that you can very much progress with, be it if you're looking to ride, you know, a longer distance on a road ride or just get around a paved trail loop in your town or if you wanted to be able to mountain bike a little bit it's it's all about focusing on the fact that if you don't stop you will progress it'll get easier the climbs will be less challenging just the other day I rode around the paved trail for the first time in over a year and it's so much easier now than it was when I first started. The climbs do not take as long. They're much more easily accomplished and not feeling so out of breath. And a lot of it's because I stuck with it. And if you stick with it too and you do your best not to get discouraged, it's okay to feel discouraged. I mean, I still feel discouraged sometimes on my rides. It's a fine thing to acknowledge, but accept that it's how you're feeling at that present moment. The next day will be better. And just keep focusing on the positive. And if you keep focusing on the positive and embracing the challenge aspect, then it ends up not being so bad. And you'll probably surprise yourself. That's awesome. Anything else that I did not ask you about that you want to mention? The Decora Time Trials is happening April 30th. That would be, it's the longest running mountain bike race in Decora. And it's the 26th annual time trials this year. And it will be an entirely different course from what it's been years prior, to which I know nothing about other than it'll be fun. Are you participating? That's exciting. Yeah. Last year we had nine women participate, which was the most women that participated in the time trials for years and years. Like all of the other years that I could see had maybe four at most. Most times it was two, maybe three. So it'll be interesting to see if that changes this year, if it'll be the same or more or less. I think a lot of it's just dependent upon weather and people know our trails are challenging, but that's part of the fun of it is, you know, you get to try your best on challenging trails when it might not be the most amazing conditions outside. <laughs> Who knows what April will do? Such is life, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Maybe we can check back in after that and get your post ride thoughts on that. Yeah, that would be cool. Another thing, I guess, too, later in the year, in September, I'm doing the Schwamigan Fat Tire Festival race. It's a 40-mile gravel-slash-fire-road-slash-mountain-bike event, and I've never been to it. It's something that, if anybody's a mountain biker, and if they've been to it, they'll say that you should go to it at least once, and... So I'm, I'm going to that and I have ridden over, ridden about 50 miles twice so far in my riding career. So it's going to be something that once things kind of get settled with the spring sale that we have going up at the shop, I will have to be putting in some gravel miles that I've never put in before <laughs> and lots of them. 50 miles is a lot on the road and you want to like think about like gravel and all other kinds of stuff. That sounds like, a, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. I, I've done a very short gravel ride and it's, 
it's different. It's weird. I don't want to say weird, but because I have repetitive motion issues in my arm, like I don't know if it's tendonitis or whatever, but being in a leaned over position for a long period of time without moving around a lot ends up making my arm ache a lot. So it'll be interesting to see what I can do to figure out ways to make that not be such an inconvenience for me. I'm imagining that at Schwamigan, I'll be moving around more because you will have times probably off the bike because there's, I think, over a thousand people that attend that event. So there's times where you might be stuck on an uphill and you have to walk your bike because you're behind somebody or I don't know, but it'll be, it'll be interesting. You're going to find out. I will find out. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, Josie, I'm so, I'm so excited to um, have had a chance to chat with you and to get a little FaceTime. Um, I'm going to link up all kinds of stuff in the show notes. I'm going to get you to spell Schwamigan for me sometime when, <laughs> when we're, when we're offline so we can link it up here. Um, otherwise it'll be a fun exploration of Google to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Well, there you have it, folks. A big thanks to Josie for joining us. Make sure you check out her blog, Josie's Bike Life, which has some really awesome profiles of badass women on bikes. And if you're ever in Decorah, Iowa, pop on over to Decorah Bicycles and say hi to Josie and Travis. Tell them Kat sent you. Next week on the Joyride, I'm joined by one half of the Snack Parade, Leah Benson of Gladys Bikes, beloved women's focus shop here in Portland, Oregon. So make sure you subscribe up. You're not going to want to miss it. And uh, you can do that wherever you get your podcasts delivered hot and fresh from the podcast oven. Joyriders, I would love to know what you think of the show. Tweet at me, tag me, Snapchat me, send a carrier pigeon, do the smoke signals, whatever you've got. Don't be shy. You can find me pretty much anywhere under Girl Eats Bike. Also, if you think that you or someone you know might be a good fit for the show, go to bit.ly forward slash joyride guest. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash joyride guest. Let's grow this Peloton. The more the merrier. Remember, friends, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Take care of yourselves and each other. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm.